the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. With everything happening in a world of sports, there's no better place to follow the most important storylines than The Athletic, delivering in depth reporting, rich storytelling, and thoughtful analysis from an all star newsroom. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of great content built around you as the sports fan. There's no ads, no clickbait, just great sports coverage you can trust and stories you won't find anywhere else. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your first year subscription today. We're also brought to you today by Dynasty Owner. Do you think you're smarter than the NFL GMs? Are you the best at playing fantasy football? Let's combine the two. The fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office and the business side of owning an NFL franchise. Build roster of players using actual NFL contracts and salaries. Build a winning team, stay under the salary cap for a chance at cash prizes, and to compete for the chase in the ring. Tell them Trek sent you for an extra prize after you join. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. My name is Mike Gennetti. We're going to start with a little Earl Thomas situation, which escalated quickly. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of uh, compelling storylines... I'm sitting at a campsite. I get a push notification that Earl Thomas has punched a player in the face. I get another push notification saying the Ravens are going to try to basically get out of his guaranteed contract for personal conduct issues, which to me, I want to start there. I get it. We've seen it. Look, we've seen whatever happened with Leonard Fournette last year void all of his sale, his rookie guarantees. So there's certainly you know, justification for teams to do this, but I'm not sure just a, a scrap at the at practice is conduct detrimental to the team. I mean, maybe it puts the entire locker room in such peril. Maybe there were things said. Maybe Earl Thomas, you know, went went way over the line to the point of where the Baltimore Ravens players don't feel safe around him. To me, that's where it's got to be. Uh, you know, I've seen the video. I understand the scuffle, but it's a violent sport. So, uh, you know, there will be lawyers. There's no question because there's $10 million cash on the line right now. Earl Thomas has been released. The Ravens have basically said in their statement of releasing him that they're releasing him with just cause of conduct violated. So they, they are clearly going to go after that $10 million salary for 2020, which was fully guaranteed at the signing of the contract. So th- it's going to take some lawyers. It's going to take some arbitration process. There will be a judicial system involved here to recoup that 10 million or basically make sure Baltimore doesn't have to pay it. Here's how we're treating it on the cap right now. We have obviously pushed his signing bonus proration into dead cap and that splits over the next two seasons. So what you're seeing right now is $25 million of dead cap for, for Earl Thomas. You're seeing $15 million this year. That's $5 million in signing bonus proration and that $10 million salary, which until I hear otherwise is fully guaranteed. Obviously, like I said, Baltimore is going to try to get that off the books. If that happens, it'll likely be an adjustment for 2021. So we're going to keep it on the books for now and obviously stick with that story. And then next year, there's another $10 million of signing bonus proration that comes with the original contract. So 15 million this year, 10 million next year in dead cap. There's no savings right now for Baltimore in 2020. There's a decent amount of savings next year in terms of what they owed him versus the 10 million of dead cap. So it's a big move. It's a big football move because he's a heck of a safety. I understand he's a little bit older. He was in age 31. Um, And just to be clear on that, Baltimore will save 6 million next year in 2021 versus the dead cap they have to take on. So, and oh, by the way, if he really did violate conduct, they can go after the signing bonus too. Yes, it's been paid, but 15 million of that has not been allocated to the cap yet. Only five has from last season. So 
if it's bad, if it's if they think it's as bad as it, you know, they obviously they released him, so they, they it's bad enough to get him off the team, and they're going after the ten million in, in salary. But they can also go after that fifteen million if they want to, if they really want to push you know, the, the legal system out there, and they try to recoup some of that. They, if they need some cap, more cap for next year, and they want to get some of that cash back as well, don't be surprised if you hear that coming to the conversation as well. I just don't know if any of that merits a void of guarantees, but we'll certainly stick with that story as well. So that's the the cap and cash ramifications for releasing Earl Thomas. It's a big move for Baltimore, who is certainly a, a Super Bowl contender in that AFC, and uh, this puts them in a bit of a a bad football situation as well. It's not just about the, the contract, even though that's a you know that's a big place everybody starts. But you know you've got Sean Elliott sitting behind him right now on, on the depth chart. He's going to have to slot into the free safety slot unless Baltimore makes a move, which. Look, it's trade season in the NFL. We've talked about it. We have certainly talked about it before. So look for teams to reach out right now who may have a surplus of safeties on their roster as they break down to the 53-man in the next week or so. And Baltimore would definitely be listening. So I would I would guess that, you know, in the next week or so, there's a, a roster move or two to be made in Baltimore to, to join along with this release of Earl Thomas. But like I said, no no cap savings right now, according to our data. We're going to keep the full guarantees on the books in 2020. Uh, Six million saved next year, but they may get a $10 million relief next year if that salary has avoided guarantees and does not get paid. Today's episode is also brought to you by Hit Parade, one of my favorite sponsors. Have you ever wanted to take a shot at getting a $12,000 Michael Jordan rookie card or a $1,600 autographed Tom Brady helmet, New England or Tampa Bay at this point? For just a fraction of those prices, Hit Parade is the premier authentic autographed sports memorabilia mystery box manufacturer in the United States. Take a shot at autographed items from some of the biggest names in all of sports. Bron James, Michael Jordan, Zion Williamson, Mike Trout, and many more. And speaking of Mike Trout, we've got a great Mike Trout autograph story coming for you in the middle of the show. So uh, stick around. We've got more tra- <laughs> big time dollars from Mike Trout aut- uh, memorabilia here. Get your box today at Hit Parade's exclusive online provider, dacardworld.com. That's dacardworld.com. No one has more hits than Hit Parade. Okay, we're going to bring in Scott Allen soon on the Hit Parade hotline, talk some NBA, a little NFL, and like I said, some big-time Mike Trout memorabilia money. Joined on the Hit Parade hotline for our usual normal spot here, Scott Allen. Scott, happy weekend. Happy... (laughs) middle of the NBA postseason. I'm going to give you some options here. We've got some NFL storylines we can get to. Uh, we had an NBA series finish just a few minutes ago. Uh, we can talk about Mike Trout a little bit. Not sure if you've seen him in the news today. Pretty interesting information if you want to get there. Uh, you pick. There's your three. Uh, I'll start with NBA. Let's okay. fly through that. Fly through that. Let's fly through the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's fix them <laughs> in the next five minutes. All right, here we go. Uh, another sweep, another first round exit, Brent Brown. I don't know. By the time I'm finished the sentence, probably fired. He's going to have to be the scapegoat. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I I, I messaged you. uh, Well, I didn't reply to your message because I was already going to bring it up on the show. So I'll, I'll, I will tee you up with that softball. You ready? Do you, do you, do you take the normal route and fire the coach? That's, that's normally what happens or the GM, both of which I think are viable here. Um, or do you rip this team apart? And I think it's an and or question. I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think all of this happens because if you bring in Stan Van Gundy or some experienced coach, you're going to give him or her the opportunity 
to see if Simmons and Embiid can work. So that's that's where I want to start with the Philadelphia 76ers. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, it is a very hard question because do you do you get rid of the head coach? Say the GM brand stays there. Um, Should he? Mm, Never mind. That's I the second know. question. Finish your thought. All right. So if, if if Brown is fired, do you bring in a head coach and keep the team as is? Mm-hmm. Or do you fire Brown and move somebody, whether it's Embiid, whether it's it's Simmons, whether it's Harris, whether it's Horford, uh, and go that route. And then to a third entity would be based on what you just said. Do you bring in a veteran head coach or do you bring in a, a college coach who is w- well known and could potentially deal with those personalities? Because huh. we don't know what college basketball is going to look like. Some of these head coaches may want to in, in college ranks may want to take a chance at a Philadelphia 76ers team, especially with the amount of uh, stardom that are there, even though they're going to be sort of landlocked with contracts unless you move some. So it's extremely hard question for uh, right now for brand to have to ask if, if they uh, fire him as well, then that is going to be an even harder question. And probably the number one question that, whoever's going to interview for a GM there would have to have an answer for. Um, I I don't know what the right answer is. I just know that team, you know, being swept in the first round and uh, year after year. Look, but but, I mean, Boston's better. Boston's better without Ben Simmons. There's no question. Boston's better. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to gloss, you know, I'm not going to take too much time on the fact that they got, you know, punted out of Orlando pretty quickly here, but look, here, actually, here's where I want to go with this. So we've mentioned it a bunch of times. I have the numbers now in front of me. I'm prepared today. Um, you know, they put 500 over $500 million worth of contracts on the books last offseason, the summer of 2019. And oh, by the way, we've talked about this before. That was one of the most plentiful groups of free agent crops we've ever seen in the NBA ever. I mean, you had superstars galore. You had, you had role players galore. And even still, even after everything I just said, right? You had, I mean, you had your shot at KD. You had your shot at, you know, any kind of position player you needed to kind of fill in gaps, which this is the point I'm trying to get to. But still, they spent $27 million a year on Al Horford and they gave Tobias Harris just, I, I don't even know how to quantify Tobias Harris money. And I feel bad they got injured today. And, and that was a big storyline today. But, you know, he's the ninth highest average paid player in, in the NBA, in all of the NBA. So all those names you're talking about with Philadelphia, in terms of finances, he's where you start. So you mentioned locked in. He, he's, he's not going anywhere. Nobody's taking that contract. Here's the point I want to I push back to you. You had Embiid. You had Simmons. You decided to pay them both. You decided to give them the rookie extensions on both, which a lot of people gawked at at the time. Because Simmons, if you remember go two years ago, maybe not even 18 months ago, Simmons had no offensive game. Zilch. To the point of where many experts were saying he's just a flat out bust. His kind of skill set is his untangibles. They don't translate. There's not enough there to, to keep him on the floor for 30 minutes in an NBA game. And there's no reason anybody should pay him. Philly paid him and he did kind of reward them. He, he you know, he's got an inside game now. The jump start is, shot is starting to come around a little bit. So the injury is unfortunate here. But my point is this. You paid Embiid. You paid Simmons. That's two. 
They're young kids. Those weren't even, I mean, that's, are those 25 or 30% contracts? I don't even know. I think they're 25. Okay. So, you know, they're essentially the, the smallest maxes you can hand out right now. You didn't have to go and give Elhor for 27 million. And you certainly didn't have to get to buy Harris 36. It's almost like they felt obligated to bring in higher paid veterans to almost babysit those kids. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like they felt like they had to bring in Horford and his experience and his savvy from Boston. And obviously they got nothing on that zilch. Uh, And and they should have seen that coming because everyone else in the league did. I don't even know who they were bidding against Atlanta. Who are they bidding against at $27 million for Al Horford? It wasn't Boston. They were out after 20. They they maxed out at 20 million for Al Horford because that's what you do. (laughs) You don't, you don't go 7 million higher than you need to on aging veteran role players. But my point is, is all encompassing. There were so many options in that free agent season in 2019. You could have plug and played. You, you didn't have to go top dollar. You could have waited it out. You could have brought in somebody to a team that I, I think a lot of players would have wanted to come to because of the two young kids that you had locked up. I don't understand why they did a, a role reversal. They overpaid veterans to go with what we now think might be overpaid, <laughs> you know, young kids. So it's mm-hmm. just a financial disaster. It's, it, it's, you know, what it reminds me of. It's funny. I'm not sure if you remember this. It was a while ago. The Philadelphia Eagles at one point in time decided we're done losing. We're just going to bring in every name off the free agent market, whether it's via trade or a free agent. We're going to give them top dollar. We're going to build a dream team, like a Madden team. And it just exploded. I mean, in, in six weeks, they were the, they were the negative story of the season. Everything had exploded. They had spent so much money that one year for that dream team, and it was just a disaster. They had to get they, they had to take on so much dead cap to rip that thing up. I'm worried <laughs> that it's a it's another iteration of that in Philadelphia, and that we're here now with four contracts that I'm not sure they can get rid of. It, let, let's just let, let me push it back to you with that. Of the four, of Simmons, of Embiid, of Harris, of Horford. Don't tell me who should go because I know who should go. Who can go? Mm, I mean, any of them. I mean, to be frank, I mean, uh, no, but we've te- always- I'm saying a team would take on any of those four contracts. No, uh, I oh no, I, I don't think anyone's going to touch an Al Horford contract. I think they're going to be stuck with that unless or, or Harris. they or, Harris. Or, or they buy them. Uh, yeah, or Harris probably. I mean, you know, some of these players that they, they may just need to see. Uh, maybe it's the organization, but maybe they just need to see uh, a different team. I mean, uh, to yeah, use but you've got to find Alphonse. a team that'll get him thirty-six million a year. This is year one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I understand that, but. You know, look at Mark L. Fultz. He was with the Philadelphia 76ers. He went to Orlando and he started to I mean, he was playing some pretty good ball in the in the bubble there. And he he just needed a new scenery. Maybe it's the organization itself. You but, know, yeah, but you're talking four million for Fultz versus thirty six for Harris. I, I, I and I understand that. Yeah. But with the with the upcoming free agency issues um, with the cap potentially being at the same or below, like we've talked about, you know, teams are going to have to facilitate movement by trades. Um, and there, there's going to be a team that would potentially take a chance at any of these guys, Harris or Embiid Simmons has a rookie extension that kicks in 
in the 2020 season. Um, so th- that 29 million, almost 30 million is going to kick in starting in this 2020 season. It's going to drop and, too. It's going to drop. Yeah, and it's it's going to drop, drop with the cap. It's going to be right because it's tw- based on 25%. Now, Embiid is already locked in. Um, th- those values are as they are. Uh, but I don't think Horford would get moved. These other guys, they would probably fetch a couple number one picks because teams think that. So let's talk Embiid. Let's talk Embiid because I I have to, I I think if I had to put a Mount Rushmore of trading Philadelphia players, he's probably number one on that list. I think he's probably the most tradable right now, even though I got to say this, I don't know who he is offensively and I haven't seen him play 30 minutes without looking like he's dead, Mm -hmm. dead. So he's definitely not in shape. I, I know that's been the easy knock on him, but it's clear as day that at the end of games, when, when a player like that should matter most, he's just not there. He's not available. He's, he's, he's airballing. He's dead tired. He's not, he's not there defensively for you. So again, is there a trade value for that? I don't know. No, I don't know. And I, I've heard that he doesn't necessarily put the work in to learn certain schemes or know that kind of stuff. Um, I know he's a lot of talk where he says, oh, I'm in shape. I'm in shape. I'm ready to go at the beginning of the season. And then he shows up. And like you said, by the end of the game, he's he's dying and mm-hmm. unable to make those shots and that kind of stuff. So but as I said, teams think that they can bring in somebody in revolutionize them and and they just need new scenery it could be that with these players um but it may be a a a situation where this is a top-down restructure because it's not even just this season this is just a culmination of everything that has happened with the 76ers i mean we've we've talked about all the number one picks that that they've gone through or, or first rounders that they've gone through and missed on and they've traded them i mean folds uh, Nerlens Noel, uh, Michael Carter Williams, uh, you know, all these guys that they've, they've thrown darts at mm-hmm. and, and they've missed. And, you know, if, if that happens with either Simmons or Embiid at some point, you know, that, that is a, a huge hit on this 76ers franchise that they're, they're making these decisions and they, they can't get over the hump. Well, we were asked to trust the process. I mean, they kind of coined that phrase. This is they were the tank for two years and then build it back up from scratch and everything's going to be hunky dory, right? Well, we're here. You know, they yeah. their investment last season, last offseason, that five hundred million I was talking about, that was their that was them saying we're here and this better work. And you know, it's it's over a year later. It's only one season later. So I guess there's some merit to say, do, does it need another season? You know, does it need one more season with El Horford, except for now he's one year older. Here's the numbers. Embiid has 94 million left in his contract. El Horford has 81 million left on his contract. Tobias Harris has 147 million left on that contract. Mm. Those aren't tradable, Scott. Uh, maybe Embiid, maybe because he's 26 years old and he's unique in terms of the height. He can hit a three every now and then. And he's, you know, he's a five where teams don't have fives. I joked with you the other day that, you know, maybe Boston is the new change of pace for him, right? Because Boston might have too many shooters in that team right now. A player like Jalen Brown could fetch Philly's next two firsts, you know, because Philly could use that kind of deadly create space, shoot the ball player right now. That's Josh Richardson, who I'm not even mentioning in this conversation. He's (laughs) overpaid on this team. Um, Yes. But, you know, a team like that who's ready to roll 
and Embiid can be like the fourth option <laughs> at, at, at 29 and a half million a year. He can be the fourth option on that team, but I, I don't know. I mean, are you going to flip him off to Atlanta or the Knicks to be, you know, are those teams going to identify Embiid as their new centerpiece? I don't think anybody can do that right now. So, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to bash on Philly. I'm going to bash on the fact that they built last offseason with gigantic veteran contracts. I think that's a dying art in all the sports. I mean, who's doing that right now? Who's, who's acquiring gigantic free agent pieces at 30 years old and saying, come and, come and play with our kids who are also crazy high paid and let's make it all work together on a, th- a $300 million payroll. Nobody's doing that. So uh, to me, that's an antiquated p- way, to, way to build your team. And they're going to have to take an old school way to, to break it down, in my opinion. You're right. It's not going to be because, what, because this is what can't happen. You can't have Ben Simmons coming to the microphone tomorrow and saying, I want out. That is... <laughs> That is, you know, you're laying on the tracks and the train's coming. That's the, that's a an absolute nightmare for this franchise. Um, here's my answer all the way back to question number one, and then we'll, we'll move on to something else here. But I think the right move is to fire the GM. I think that's the right move. I think the message you want is the process didn't work. <laughs> Okay, whatever the process. And, and by the way, oh, by the way, he wasn't the GM that started all this, if you remember. Right. So yep, yep. he's going to be a scapegoat for somebody else's mess to some degree. I mean, Brand was there for l- last summer and and kind of put his, his stamp on this. But to me, with a, a salary cap that's about to drop 15 to 20, we think, you know, the easy thing to do right now is just to keep all these players because I don't think they're tradable. You can't release them. You can't buy out these contracts. There's too much left on that. You're, you're setting yourselves up, up for a decade of disaster by doing that. So I, uh, I think you're stuck with this player set, truly, all of them, all of them. And uh, if, you, if you can upgrade the coach, do it. I'm not sure you can. You're right. I think the college, uh, the college arena might be a good place to look because that's in shambles right now. Can you pull one of those, you know, th- those successful you know, more cheerleader type coaches into this situation just to bring some energy to it. Cause you're right. A change of scenery for a lot of these players might work. I just don't think it's possible. It's not feasible with a salary cap that's dropping where teams are going to look to shave wherever they can right now. And Oh, by the way, everything we just talked about is 100% fact, you know, maybe Simmons is tradable, but I don't think Philly would trade Simmons. I don't think that's the right move. He, he just seems like, you know, I, I get it. He's not going to score you a ton of points, but he's, he's probably a defensive player of the year in the next three years if he's healthy. He's just He's got that kind of pedigree with him. You don't let those kind of players... I mean, Kawhi, Kawhi couldn't shoot for a while. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying Simmons is going to turn into Kawhi, but he might turn into a modified version of that in the next couple of seasons. I, I, would, let him, I would let him come into form a little bit more, uh, especially with that extension just kicking in next season. So I, can, if you can move and beat, you absolutely do it. I guess that's the team building advice I, that I put on this conversation. Otherwise, I think you scapegoat the GM. If you can upgrade the coach, you do it. Otherwise, I think you have to just bite the bullet and say, we're going to give this thing one more year to, to marinate. And, you know, we're going to take the media hit that's going to come with that. And oh, by the way, there's going to be a big meet. I mean, the NBA people are going to go crazy if this starting five and Brett Brown are back next year. But I, I guess put some odds on it. Is it better than is it better than fifty fifty that that your starting five and Brett Brown are back for Philadelphia next year? I'm leaning mm. like fifty one percent that that's the case. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm about there. I would say that, especially with the unknown of the future season. I mean, let, let, let's be frank. We, we don't even know if they're going to get a full slate of games in the Correct. upcoming season. I mean, Adam Silver came out and has said that December 1 it, right now is is not on their table because of whatever in the background is going on. Mm-hmm. So we know that the season is going to at least start past that because you got to get draft in there. You got to get free agency in there. So we may be looking at a shortened season to even begin with because they may not want to have the season go in through the summer based on whatever uh, TV viewership is going on once those numbers come out. Um, So we we don't even know. It's so unknown right now. And it it may be – you know, status quo with that roster until things smooth out as yeah. far as the cap and all that and and go from there. But I, I would put it at probably around 50-50 that GM and probably head coach at least is going to get moved. My goodness. Yeah, it's the easier route. The front office and the coach are the easier scapegoats here. Um, I mean, these contracts just don't seem movable, but we've said that before. I mean, we've seen crazy yeah. contracts move. We talked about it a lot with Westbrook and, you know, Chris Paul. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I'd be shocked if it was somebody besides Embiid. Let's let's put it that way. I think Embiid is the piece to go. I just I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I can't find a home for him. I really just can't. You know, big men are are doing well right now. Big, agile men. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, Joker Especially, is playing a big yes. role. Gobert is playing a big role. AD's playing a good role. I mean, somewhat of a smaller role than we anticipated. But, yeah, the, those guys have a role in the postseason yeah, right now. Big, yeah, those stretch big men. I mean, if they can shoot, they're they're viable. <laughs> Super interesting. <laughs> and I actually think it'll be more interesting if if nothing happens. If they just say, "Well, you know, we had a we all had a crazy 2020, and you know, we lost Ben Simmons, unfortunately, and we're, we want to see how this thing can percolate for you know another 12 months." And I, I think that might happen. I think there might be a really boring press conference that we all get to talk about for the next 18 months. I, I I'm hoping for it, but I I just see too much money in front of us. I mean, you're talking about combined like 320 dollars. $320 million to, you know, Richardson, Harris, Embiid. I'm not even counting Simmons and uh, Horford. So good luck with that. I, I wouldn't want to be that GM right now for a lot of reasons. But all right. First, or the first team to go, Philadelphia. Who's next before we move on? Who absolutely looks like they're done? Is it Orlando? Uh, well, Orlando looks like they're done. The Pacers look like they're done. Yeah. Um, Got some good uh, other series are 2-1. I'd say Dallas is in real trouble here. Porzingis hurt. Brooklyn's done, too. Brooklyn's done, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we we talked about Brooklyn, though. I mean, they're they're already refreshing. They get to come back brand new next year. Yeah, they do. And markedly better. (laughs) So uh, that's that's such an interesting situation, though, because they, again, they, you know, they rolled themselves into this postseason like last year when nobody really saw it coming. And now they have to just change everything. That's to me. That's so interesting um, because you wonder if they're just one big piece away. And you know, I, I know Durant wants Kyrie there, but man, we've seen him ruin so many good teams. <laughs> so that's just it's really good TV. Let's put it that way. It's must see TV for the next couple of months for sure. All right, that's enough basketball. NFL storylines or Mike Trout. <laughs> 
What's next? Let's go Mike Trout. I, I don't know the story you're talking about, so right. I'm interested to hear what you have to Total say. Total Mike fandom nerdness from eight, nine years old, but a Mike Trout rookie card sold today for $3.93 million. Wow. It's extremely rare. Um, you know, the auctioneer basically said it was like the perfect storm situation where they had so much great merchandise that it brought in like all, all the big swingers and all the guys and, and gals who come in and generally bid on big items. They just, this, they just had such a collection that drew all those people into the same room. And it, here's the interesting thing to me. I, I you know, I, I deal quite a bit with these cards and especially lately I've, I've gotten back into it and kind of rekindled my childhood. You know, it's all about grading now. It's, it's about getting these cards graded in terms of their, you know, the condition they're in. So there's two grades on this Mike Trout card. The actual card itself is graded nine out of 10. So it's three steps away from being perfect, which you would think for a near $4 million sale, <laughs> this thing better be graded 10, right? No, right. No, it's mint, but it's not, you know, it's not a gem and it's not a perfection in terms of condition. So it's a nine there, but the autograph condition, the way the autograph looks, you know, the clarity, the, the, the pen color, all that stuff, you know, obviously it's verified by Beckett, but the, the actual autograph that Mike Trout put on there is graded 10. And apparently that holds quite a lot of weight, not to mention how rare this card is. It's essentially like a prospect card. Um, it's a Bowman Chrome Superfractor for any who follow it out there and, and find this story for sure. It's all over the place, but golden auctions. It's a Topps 2009 Mike Trout rookie card, extremely rare, almost 4 million, which anyone who's looked at the value of trading cards lately, and if you think you've got a box of somewhere that's worth anything, you're probably wrong. That box is probably kindling for a, fi- for a campfire and nothing more. So to see these kind of numbers getting thrown around, and look, this same auction a couple of weeks back just sold a LeBron rookie for almost 2 million. So there's, you know... We had, you know, John Grimaldi on from David Adams not too long ago, and he kind of talked about the renaissance. This is living proof. These are two of your biggest athletes in the world right now, LeBron and Mike Trout. And uh, those are big time. That's a combined five million (laughs) for two cards right there. So it's I I love it. I love that there's a renaissance. I love that the card companies are are smartening up to the point of where there's some exclusivity to these cards. You know, the grading service is a little bit extra money on their end, but it also adds a little flair. I've got a, you know, I've got a case of cards here sitting in front of me. And I'm trying to get as many of them graded as possible because I think that that's a whole other element to it. You know, it's not only do I have this card, not only did I find this card in a pack, but, you know, I kept it in condition to where it's a 9.5 or it's a 10. And, and that's another, another notch to hang your head on. So I, I think it's a really cool renaissance that, that, that the card world is having. I would never pay $4 million for a Mike Trout rookie <laughs> card, but uh, pretty neat little story. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, You've got a you've got a son who I know has dabbled in this, especially with your uh, your local team winning the World Series last year. Um, you know, is it is it going to be a situation where it was like you and I growing up, where we try to get every card in a set, and you're buying you know four or five packs a, a week? No, it's not that kind of a you know it's way too expensive. First of all, to do that kind of thing anymore, but I could see it. You know, kids maybe in college right now this is kind of an investment for them. I could see that. I could see it as like a day trading kind of stock trading kind of thing for sure. And we've had people on to speak to that, right? Yeah, it is. And you know, it's interesting watching him open packs or uh, just seeing who he gets because we were driving the other day and we were talking about some basketball and he, he, 
was talking about James Harden. He goes, oh, I've got that guy with the beard. And I said, oh, James Harden. He goes, yeah, I have his baseball or I have his car basketball card. Nice. So he's he's using those cards to help identify who these players sure. are, and he remembers them. So, and I, I I remember, you know, you look at the stats on the back, but you you look at those <laughs> the, the cards and the name, and n- not that the stats are, you know. You looked at them, but man, some of those pictures on the front, and that's how you identified some of those players as a kid. You know, you looked and you said, oh, I have that card or I'll trade you this card for those two cards. Um, But like you said, maybe we're in an era where it's just more efficiency and you keep the ones that you think are going to. It's about uh, uniqueness. It's about rookie cards. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's more of a business than it ever has been, I think, because you're right that you know, the casual trading and, and opening of packs, that's gone. So it's not casual anymore. It's kind of high stakes. And this is proof that the line is being pushed forward. I mean, I mean, look, here's the funniest thing. There's a lot of people out there that don't even think Mike Trout's the best baseball player in our generation right now. I do. I, I'm 100% convinced. I just went through the stats again to make sure in my head that I was right. I, I'm right. He is all right. Three MVPs, you know, the silver sluggers, the gold gloves. He's doing everything still. Even in a shortened season, he's going to dominate. He leads the league in home runs right now. I get it. There's a a crop of young kids right now that are going to dominate. You know, you know, kids, your son's age, you know, the Tatises, the Vlad Guerreras, the Aaron judges, the Acuna juniors. Those kids are about to take over baseball. Frankie Lindor, Bellinger, you know, bets to some degree. He's a little bit older, but he's, he's in that group. I think they're about to take baseball over and trout needs to win now. Okay. I, the, he does. The, the player that I put trout up against, and I understand the, the, the praise I'm giving him is Willie Mays. Willie Mays went to two world series and he won one of them. That's all he needs. He needs one world series win Mike trout one. And we're good. It's kind of the Peyton Manning to some degree. I mean, Peyton ended up mm-hmm. winning two, but it took him so damn long to get to have any kind of playoff success. The difference is, the NFL market's better. There's less games, so there's more. You know, you know, you're dying to tune in. And Peyton was fun to watch. You know, you could watch him pretty much. He was in prime time enough to the point of where you saw him. Mike Trout just isn't getting that. He's not getting it. The West Coast is killing him in terms of the East Coast media, and he's got to win. He's got he's got to be standing there with that trophy in his hand in order to honestly cement himself to where he belongs. He is the best player of this generation, and right now it's not close. It's not close position player. That's, uh, you know, for sure. But I, I get this. I get his play, his, his kind of draw from a trading card, especially with his autograph rated graded 10 on there. I, I get it. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for baseball because all those other players I mentioned, there's going to be a time where, you know, it's not going to be 3.9 million, but it's going to be up there. It's going to be a couple hundred thousand at some point. Look, if Aaron judge can continue and stay healthy, I'm not sure he can. He's in the right market. He's he's got the right personality. Everything about him could be Derek Jeter-esque, but with tons of home runs. That's the dream. I mean, you get a Yankee with Derek Jeter's kind of personality, soft-spoken, really always means well. He's he's really good with the kids, and he's a, he's obviously a great teammate. They love him. Uh, if you add 500 home runs to that resume in New York City, that that's the kind of guy that gets the kind of this kind of draw. That's where you know the, the memorabilia, the trading cards. And the game itself can all advance. So, you know, it's another coin in the hat for Mike Trout, really, in terms of just how valuable he is as a baseball player. And like I said, there, it's not even a general consensus that he's the best. 
It's not. I mean, <laughs> you could probably ask 10, play, 10 people out there who follow baseball and you might get seven different answers. Unfortunately, he's not. He's just not that kind of player. He's not marketed that way yet. Let me ask you this. Have you dabbled into any of the e-baseball cards? Hmm. And uh, I mean, th- we're talking yeah. paper baseball cards here. You know, some people would say that's so old school with, you know, everyone being online. Have you done anything with the e-baseball cards and do they value those like they do real baseball? Oh, cards? yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not to this degree because it's but the exclusivity is controllable. I mean, you can basically right. say, you know, th- this is the only one we're going to release of this in terms of a, a digital, a digital memorabilia act like that. So yeah, having that, it's the little Dungeons and Dragons, you know, <laughs> having certain things versus not having, you know, it, 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 there's a marketplace you can resell that. It's like I said, it's kind of, can you, can they, can they sign them? So if a kid had an, on an iPad, can they, can you get a player to sign it digitally? It's a great question. I don't know that answer, but if they don't, they're morons. Cause it sounds pretty logical to me, right? An, right. an actual autograph on top of it. Yeah, of course. That should be well, happening if it, it's not. Any, anyone who knows the answer, yeah. hit me up at, at Spotrick on Twitter. Yeah. I want I want to know that if, one. Uh, I wonder if the card world guys would know the answer to that. Sure. You know. Sure. I, I just think it would be interesting if you had a, a, say you had a Mike Trout e card and it was autographed, and then you could send it to you know Staples or whatever and have a giant poster printed of yeah. this baseball card that signed. It's I kind mean, of counterintuitive to the whole e set, but. Um, right. But I'm saying if you wanted to have the poster, but you would have a digital copy yeah. and you could mass produce those digital copies as if it was an artist, you know, they just hit print and, and you've got it. Um, nice so idea. I was just curious. Let's finish on this because you kind of brought up an interesting point. I was thinking while you were talking about your son and his cards, you know, many people know James Harden because of video games, because of the beard, because he's got a likeness to him that is very reputable on those video games. Um, baseball's behind there way behind. I mean, Mad- Madden is its own entity. 2K is its own entity for basketball. Even to some degree, the hockey games and certainly FIFA soccer way ahead of that. I mean, FIFA is way ahead of all of this conversation, but you know, baseball's behind. They've got RBI. They've got, there's a couple of versions out there and look at major league baseball has put their stamp, their approval on these things, but they just don't have the draw that these other leagues do have with the video games. And I know the NFL has continued that kind of partnership. They're in on 2K now. So it's going to be EA Sports and 2K for the NFL coming soon. That's a big part of it. That is the trading card from when we were kids. Is these they're playing extremely, you know, you know, extremely close to real video games with all the same motions, all the same, obviously the features. That is the that is the the casual fan now. That's where they go to. And I'm just not sure baseball, the games are good. I, I have most of the newer video games in terms of baseball because I'm a huge baseball guy, but that's another place where Mike Trout isn't being represented. Right? Right. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if yeah. baseball can figure this stuff out. But co- co- com- Commercials too, because you see a lot of NBA yeah. players. You see a lot of NFL players. And that's where uh, like kids, uh, my son's age are seeing these athletes on commercials and then they know who they are and then they'll ask questions or anything like that. I mean, he knows some of the nationals players. He may know one or two other players. Who is, from other teams, who is the most popular national baseball player in terms of marketability? I would have said Harper, but I have, I don't remember seeing Harper on a commercial in months. Uh, it, national. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's not any of the pitchers. It's not Kershaw. It's not the Grom. It's yeah. not Scherzer. I, I, 
I'd like to say Soto, but I've seen Judge I mean, every now and then. Maybe is it Judge? Is it Aaron Judge? Baseball's got to do a better job of this. They just do. They've got kids now. I mean, yeah, this Tatis situation I mean. is a big deal. Yeah, M- Major League Baseball needs to jump on these players right now yeah. to get their faces out there so kids are seeing these uh, faces and you know they probably know them from a, a snippet here and there on social media but you know getting their faces on commercials or on billboards or whatever uh, our, our kids are going to see that and they're going to want to be like that and you know, you see James Harden, you see Chris Paul in the State Farm commercials and, yeah. and Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, you don't see that with baseball. They're, they're missing. Yeah, the popularity is way down. And, and guess what? It's only going to get harder, not to drag this conversation out, but it's only going to get harder because very, very shortly, college athletes are going to be in the game <laughs> and they're going to start to dominate. Your football players, your basketball players there, they're going to dominate some of these commercials, some of these marketability stuff. So, it ain't getting any, any much easier for Mike Trout, the Mike Trouts out there, even though they literally are generational players. But I mm-hmm. thought it was a cool story. Almost $4 million for his card. Yeah. I will certainly keep up on that. I, I, I follow that stuff pretty closely, so I'll, uh, I'll bring that back into the fold whenever we can. All right, NFL storyline, Scott. I, I have got a few. I think we're just going to do one of them today. Maybe we'll sure. do one NFL storyline each show from here out until the season starts. Uh, you know, They're kind of easy to put together. I'll let you pick the first one we do today. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go with your number one at the top here because I think it's the most. I, I think it's interesting. We it, it, so many unknowns. Uh, if you don't want to go with that one, no, can, no, let's I, do it. I just feel terrible doing it because I feel like I'm I'm ripping jobs away from people. But look, it's inevitable, right? We're talking Aaron Rodgers here. We're talking about the Packers. Um, you can say this story has been beaten to death. I'm not sure it has because it's a real story. And he admits it, basically. He went on you know, the Kyle Brandt podcast, and he basically said, I'm preparing for the end now. I know what's coming. This happened to me, by the way. This happened to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he, he was drafted as the Jordan Love you know, to Brett Favre. He, he understood how Brett Favre handled it. It wasn't well. And nobody says Aaron Rodgers has to, has to handle this well either. I don't think he's the nicest guy in the world. I think he's smart as hell. I think he's you know, sharp as a tack. And I think he can still play football, too. So... When you put all those things together, yes, you might, your time in Green, Green Bay might be dwindling, but you're still going to play football somewhere. Somebody's going to pick him up. You know, a, a down year for Jimmy G, San Francisco is going to be on the top of my list for, for Aaron Rodgers, the very top of my list, because that is a defense that's ready to win. They bring in a couple more weapons in, in the next draft class to go with the ones they just drafted this year, maybe a free agent to go with that, and you're right back in the conversation. And oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers and George Kittle, they're going to be best friends very, very quickly. So to me, that that is the team I'm identifying in 2021 if, you know, if if it goes where I think it's going to go. So let's talk about the numbers. By the way, do you agree with that or do you have a different take on where this thing's going for Green Bay? No, I, I think it's inevitable that Aaron Rodgers is not going to play. When? His full do, do you have a timeline on it? Has. Do you think it's one year or do you think it, it's a full two? His contract says two. The structure of his contract says he should play essentially through 2021 before Green Bay actually decides to move on. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you I can figure out a way to get out of it after this year, but you tell me where your gut says, your gut says he's going to go. When, when and where? Um, not after, not after, after this season. I don't know. Yeah. Because there's so many unknowns with that cap. 
because the yeah. dead cap is going to matter. You know, if the cap doesn't rise as much as it has in the past, and I know it's one of our oh, it's going down. Lines, it's going down. It, yeah. But if you if you cut him in a down year, that's just that much cap that you don't have. But if the cap was going up and you re- you traded him, then that's dead cap that you could sort of wiggle in there and have justification for it. So uh, I, I'm going to have to go with the potential out of 2022 that you have here. Okay. But it may it may go faster than that if they really get into the games and they see Jordan Love is who they want. But for your second part where I think he could go, you know, I, they would never trade him in... In division? In division, but I would say the Chicago Bears. Yeah. I think that would be really interesting if he went to the Bears. Sort of like when Brett Favre ended up going back to Minnesota... I think with the the Bears and how much they've they're just unknown with that. I know Foles is there and all that situation, but I, I could see something like that. But I know it's hard to trade in division like that. Okay, so you said two things I want to touch on. Uh, one of them being the Bears. As you're speaking, and as we were going through this Earl Thomas situation, and we had Antonio Brown last year, a couple of embattled players who, basically, because of the social media aspect of it. There just was no trade value. Teams look at teams aren't stupid. Okay, <laughs> look at when you demand trades or when the team says we're going to get rid of this player. This player is no longer viable on our team. Antonio Brown with Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown with the, the Raiders. <laughs> you know the, the names are starting to pile up here. To some degree, Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants. You remember how much that hit the the Twitter sphere before mm-hmm. that happened. And of course, yep. you know he was able to be traded. But we're getting to a point now in a lot of these sports and the NFL hasn't really caught up to how this all works yet, but you just can't do it. You can't put yourself out there with what you're planning to do. You can't put your future plans out there anymore because everybody's going to get wind of it. It's they're going to become major storylines across all of the media platforms. They're going to build momentum. The public's going to get on board with it and there's just going to be an expectation. And whenever there's an expectation, trade value goes underground. It's gone. So if we're all sitting here saying Aaron Rodgers is probably out the door after 2020, who's going to trade for that contract? There's $73 million cash in that contract. $73 million, which is there a team that says, you know, we can go and do that at $24 million a year for Aaron Rodgers at 35 years old or 36 years old? Like I said, maybe San Fran says that's worth it. Um, and oh, by the way, you'll have basically one year of that guaranteed. Only, only 2021 is going to be guaranteed. So you know, it's, there's not going to be too much in terms of what you have to deal with down the road. But I don't know. Is there going to be a bidding war? That's really what, we, what matters here. Yes, there's a lot of money attached to his contract. But will there be at least two teams vying for his services to the point of where you have to trade? Somehow, and you mentioned the Bears. I promised I'd bring him back into the conversation. Somehow, Jacksonville got a fourth round pick for Nick Foles on a ridiculous contract that had to get restructured so that the bears could basically swallow it. But if Nick Foles can get a fourth round pick in the middle of a huge contract, then is Aaron Rodgers still worth the first? Let's I think say some teams would. Yeah. Let's say there's two teams that, that decide they're in San Francisco. Uh, I, I actually have another team that I think go ahead. would the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. They're in, you know, they're in. Yeah, Derek Carr. I mean, they could wait. They could cut him. What after this season and have oh yeah, they could essentially save the um, cash and cap on Carr that would allow them but, to bring in Rodgers next year. It would be yeah. a, it would be an even trade on a one year there. 
And I think in Vegas with the personality of, of Rogers and him being on the national spotlight of commercials that we just talked about. I mean, that that's the quarterback that team needs is a, is that name to put with the Raiders for marketing purposes. Yeah. Look, there's going to be a spot for a couple of teams. I think if green Bay is really interested, um, are the jets still in on Darnold after 2020? Does Josh Allen take a step back in Buffalo? Where is Baker Mayfield in that loaded Cleveland offense? I mean, if Baker doesn't get that thing to the finish line, at least, you know, inside of a postseason run, they're, they're going to be looking at him as the problem because they now have three viable wide receivers, two viable tight ends, two viable running backs, and a good offensive line that they've drafted or signed, acquired over the past 18 months. So if Baker's out in terms of falling out of favor there, that's an Aaron Rodgers landing spot now. You go and overpay yeah. for Aaron Rodgers to come into this this current team you've built you've put together and say you know be our savior fix our team so th- I guess there's three right there we've identified without even trying we don't even know the Patriot situation in 2021 that could be one and done for Cam Newton and then they're back in the market uh, yeah Washington I was gonna say, <laughs> Washington's that was my next in one. Washington's yeah. in on Aaron Rodgers next year they're in let's just talk, let's just say it out loud the Bears might be in. The Bears might take the dead cap on Nick Foles or make him a backup punt on Trubisky, which they've already done with the fifth year option. So I, yeah, they're in. That's five teams now that we, we, without really trying that we could see as viable option for Aaron Rodgers. So there you go. If there's demand, you could probably get, you know, a second round pick minimum for that contract for Aaron Rodgers. But if you're thinking about it as a one year, $22 million contract, which is what the guarantees would lend to. You're probably getting a first round pick from even at 30, even at almost 37 years old. I think you can get a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers next year because of demand. So you do it. You take the dead cap, which most teams have decided to do. That's not scaring teams away anymore at all. I mean, look what the Rams just did. Goodbye, Todd Gurley. Goodbye, Brandon Cooks. Goodbye, Clay Matthews. I mean, they did it. They just decided we're done. We're going to take, we're going to eat our eat our dead cap and contend this year if we can. So yeah, I, I, you know, if this is the storyline, the headline storyline that we're taking into 2020 to me, that comes with a big change after 2020. Let me ask you this. Can I know teams, they can designate players for post uh, June 1st releases. Let's talk now, about could it. a team could, could a team in theory, do a post six one trade where they say we're going to trade Rogers to X team. And this is agreed upon in May, but they say we're going to hold off until June to actually facilitate that. It absolutely should happen. There's a $6.8 million reason why it might not. And that's the roster bonus due the third day of next league year. Um, Okay. So does Green Bay eat that? We've seen teams that we just saw the Rams do it with Todd Gurley. Five and a half million dollar roster bonus that they still haven't paid him, by the way. But they, but they owe it to him. Uh, the, does Green Bay have to eat that to trade him? They shouldn't. If there's four teams vying for his services, here's what you should be able to do. You should be able to sit down with Rodgers, even though they didn't do that before this draft, which, which could turn and bite him in the ass. They can sit down with Rodgers and say, listen, we're going to restructure that thing. Okay, we're going to push back that, that roster bonus to June 2nd, and we're going to let that new team pay it. They've agreed to pay it as part of the trade. It's essentially a contract restructure, which might happen anyway. This might all be moot. 
you know, the, the new team might just rip everything up anyway. But in terms of Green Bay saving some dead cap and cash, to be honest, that $6.8 million roster bonus in early March is sort of that elephant in the room. So if they can agree to some sort of restructure with Rodgers so they can make that trade process after June 1st, then they'd be, they'd be a little better off in terms of the dead cap. There's no question. You're talking about $6.8 million that now transfers to the new team, which leaves you only $23 million of dead cap. It's very doable. Excuse me. It's a little bit more than that. It's going to be about $26 million of dead cap next year. So yeah, you want to split that up as much as possible because of what you already said. There's a salary cap going down next year. Everybody's going to have to finagle a little bit because the league cap's going down because of the mess we're in right now. So to me, that's, that is the nerdy storyline. That's like the 1A storyline. That's all about the numbers and the, and the contract structure. Uh, but what, I'm, what I like to do when I, when I get asked on the radio or things like that is you know, people flat out ask, can Aaron Rodgers be traded next offseason? My answer is absolutely yes. I'm, the, the dead cap doesn't scare me anymore. We've seen too many teams take on huge well, hits. I bring up the post six one trade because when I'm looking at his page here, you know, it, it does a tw- uh, 2021 and a 2022 dead cap as opposed to everything just being pushed into 2021. So if they could split it instead of taking it and swallowing a giant pill beforehand, you know, it's sort of like the NBA. We're going to we're going to trade this player, but it doesn't go official until the league year hits. Yeah, we've so seen that- it happen before, but it takes two things. It takes the player playing ball, right? And moving that roster bonus and it takes that new team saying all right we can wait we're, we're okay waiting because guess what if it ain't processed it can be backed out of so if you've got a team in march if you've got san francisco in march saying we'll wait you know we'll wait till june 2nd to help you out and process you know make the dead cap better for you can you get kyle shanahan and that san francisco front office to agree to that i'm not sure i'm really not sure does that roster have to go into escrow or is it paid immediately? And I only bring it up because I brought up the Raiders and the whole situation with Khalil Mack and the signing bonus. No, that wasn't guaranteed at signing. That, that doesn't, that guaranteed. That's a good question, Scott. So that doesn't lock in at all until the, until that, that third league day of 2021. So right now it has absolutely no bearing on their, on their financial situation whatsoever. So um, that's what I mean. You could restructure it. And if, if they're smart, they do it right now. They sit down with riders right now and say, hey, we got to move that thing back. Okay, we want to get you out of here. We're going to be forthright with you now, even though we weren't before we drafted Jordan Love. We think it's best for both sides if we make this move after 2020. Let's clean up the roster, the, the contract right now and make it easier on us so that when we go talking to teams on your behalf, that's not the bugaboo. That's not the, you know, the elephant in the room, like I mentioned. So, But like I said, June 1st, the June 1st trade would be better for Green Bay a mile, but you got to get that team to play ball. So, you know, is your NFC rival San Francisco 49ers, if they're the team that you're identified for Rogers, are they going to play ball with you to, to help you from a dead cap situation? I don't know that I would. I don't know that it's good business for San Francisco to help Green Bay like that. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Could they, could they even uh, move it to a different year? Can they restructure it and say, we're just going to move 6-8 completely to 2022? So if, or does it have to be within that year? If the $6.8 million cash doesn't matter that much to them, if they, if they want to make that a parting gift for Rodgers from Green Bay for his you know, Hall of Fame effort there, you, you convert it to a signing bonus right now. You pay it to him right now. And you, and you spread it out over 2020, 21, 22, and 23. Or for dead cap purposes, it would be spread out Obviously, you take it some of it this year, and then the rest would be pulled into 2021 as dead cap, but it'd be less. 
it'd be, mm-hmm. you know, 4 million instead of 6.8 million. So yeah, if, if they're thinking, boy, boy, that'll be telling by the way, if they, if they process a move like that over the next couple of weeks, which is something we're going to see a lot of teams do think about next year right now because of the cap situation. Um, if that's a move they make to me, that's just indication even more that they're going to look to trade him in March. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a extreme viable option, especially, you know, with this upcoming season, whether we get games in or not. I mean, yeah. it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's why I sort of wanted to go f- with this first, because, I mean, it's just so many avenues. And we've talked about these quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen the free agent market. Now we're seeing the, the, the rookies and their potential extensions. And, you know, you, you even mentioned he's 36 years old. Teams still are going to want him because they've I think seen so. even even if it's for a few years. I mean, look at what Denver did with Peyton Manning. They brought him in for a few years. They got their championship, and um, you know it could buy that team um, a couple years where they don't necessarily need to draft a quarterback high, especially and they Scott. Can build especially around especially in a year where who the hell knows in this draft? Who exactly. the hell knows? I mean. Trevor Lawrence is a sure thing, but that's Jacksonville. That's Carolina. That's going to be one of those teams we know is going to be down at the bottom. Um, you know, Justin Fields is a, I think he's a above average prospect. I don't think there's too many experts out there that love him. I mean, I don't think he's competing with Trevor Lawrence for that number one overall pick. Do you at this point? Mm-mm, no. Okay. So he's, he's a one B, but he's a softer one B. But then after that, I think there's a lot of people that wanted to see a lot more of, of a lot of these quarterbacks in terms of leading up to the 2021 draft. So in, if you're putting that, which is generally speaking, that's that's big competition for free agent quarterbacks, right? Who's coming out of the draft? Wouldn't teams just prefer to go with the rookie contract? Maybe not in this regard. Maybe you're, you're walking into a free agency where teams are going to want veterans, even if they can't afford them because the cap drops, you know, you can finagle the cap, the, the contract structures. So, so let me put it to you this way. Let me ask it again. If all these teams know everything we've just said, and they know what, we, what we've just said in terms of Rodgers is probably out the door after 2020, are they just going to collude and wait it out? Belichick's going to. If Belichick want, wants Rodgers, he ain't trading for him. No way. He's waiting it out, just like he waited out Cam Newton. He's going to wait it out. He's going to let all those other teams pass, let Green Bay release Aaron Rodgers, and then it's a bidding war based on contract, based on you know, immediate start, immediacy to start, all that stuff. Then what is, what is Aaron Rodgers worth to your team? Then what is he worth to your team? Are you still going to pay him top money at 37 years old? Or are you going to use ageism and try to bring that price point down, you know? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. You're still going to have teams that uh, they smell blood. They're going to go for it, especially like I think a team that's like the right. Raiders. Like a team like the Raiders who need um, yeah. that splash, even San Francisco, if they really feel that uh, Jimmy G is not the option, but they know Rogers is caliber. And, and I hate, I hate to pick on Jimmy G and San Francisco. It's just it's the best team with a quarterback problem right now, in my opinion. Yeah, and they've got the weapons that yeah. Rogers wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, oh, by the way, if he likes his current running back, he can bring him with him wherever he goes. Because Aaron Jones is, 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 is a free agent along with, you know, eight or nine other running backs. So you could keep that one-two punch together, which has been successful and added to a better wide receiver core. 
Well, and you and you mentioned about the draft and the unknown there. The unknown on top of the draft itself and the players is what is the order going to be? You know, if they if we only get through four games and for some reason they can't play the rest of the season because of a massive outbreak, because of everyone going everywhere. I think what I've heard is it just reverts. Are they going to go based off of four four weeks of standings, of percentages? It's a good question. I should know the answer. I will look into the the COVID updates that we got because I imagine it's in there. My guess is they'll have to play at least half a season before any of that actually becomes meritable. But my, my educated guess is that it would just revert back to the 2019 draft order. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How else I would mean, you do it? I know, but that would be, that would Unle- be really, uh, unless you, insta- if you're the Bengals, yeah. you could, I know, you're selling, I know. You're selling high because you already got your quarterback for the future. I wonder if so they, I wonder if they implement a, a lottery ball system and you, you, yeah, you'd, you'd have weighted that. lottery balls based on 2019 draft order, but boy, man, this almost showing itself. <laughs> yeah, but, I wonder, I wonder if they would even do, you know, oh, something to, to average things out if they would average the last two or three drafts where your position was based on lottery balls or something, just to make it a little more I fair. I hope they bring in a little bit more math like you're talking about here. Yeah. I, I hope they would. But by the way, looking quickly, teams with two first-round picks already next year, Miami, Jacksonville, and the Jets. Two of those teams wow. are going to need a quarterback next year, in my opinion, if Darnold takes another regression. So, yeah. Yeah, this this is fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. All right, good stuff. Anything else before we get to uh, our our big finish here? Nope. Any no no more NBA to talk about? You're good with LeBron. We did an entire show on breaking up AD and LeBron. Where do you where do you feel? <laughs> did we overreact or what? I'm not sure we did because no, AD, AD I, still I, looks like I garbage. Really AD looks yeah. like garbage right now. It's Le, yeah. it's LeBron putting the team on his back like he's had to do for 16 seasons. Um. So I, I think we're at least in line with that conversation still. I, I think, pardon my squeal there. Um, <laughs> I, I think Houston, Oklahoma City, they're going to go the distance. I think, as we mentioned, Miami is an extreme dark horse. I mean, they're, they're I'm, playing. I'm not even sure they are. They look outstanding. Duncan Robinson is a name. If you're listening to this, you need to know him yeah. because he, he is breaking all sorts of records. I've mentioned him in the past. He's breaking shooting records and three point records for the Miami Heat all over the place right now. So he is a name you need to know. Uh, I, I that Lakers Portland series, uh, Lakers trailblazer series, you know, that that's going to go. We'll see how they do tomorrow. I think Portland gets is, one more. I, I do too. Yeah. I think it goes six. I hope Denver that, comes back. Th- that Denver, Utah, that yeah. that is a slugfest as well. And then, um, you know, right now, as we're recording, Dallas is up on the Clippers uh, at the end of the third here. So that could be a series that's two two. So we got some really good series going on here, and you know, it, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right, good stuff. We'll keep up on it. Scott, thanks so much. Thank, my thanks to The Athletic. My thanks to the Dynasty owner. It is draft time. You ready for our Scott? We got a couple coming up here. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, we got a couple coming up. Let's see if we can actually play the game. But <laughs> 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 good stuff. My thanks to Hip Parade. Speaking of high-priced autographed memorabilia, visit dacarbold.com. Check out what they've got. It's just a great selection. It's one of my favorite websites. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.